hey there, and welcome to Watering Seats, a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina, where we discuss our latest sermon in our sermon series, which just now is through the Gospel of Matthew. To listen to our latest sermon, you can check us out on our website, covenantreformed.net slash sermons, or you can navigate to Sermon Audio and search for us as Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Jim Curtis here with my senior pastor, Sean McCann, to talk to you today about uh, Sean's sermon on the Lord's Prayer. Pastor Sean, good to be with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. This is I'm excited about doing this recording. Yeah, we're uh, kind of moving into something new for me, something familiar to you, but uh, something a little unfamiliar and maybe a new format uh, going forward with Watering Seeds. So I'm, I'm just excited to be here at Covenant Reform, excited to be a part of this, uh, and really excited to uh, dive into our sermon series in this way. Yeah, great. I, I have a weird affection for this. I love being behind the mic, but I also I love having you hosting it. So this is awesome. You're well, we'll see how it goes pro- at the... If the masses revolt and say we're we're not a big fan of this Jim Curtis uh, hosting, we can we can always change it around. It's too late, but man. just for You've today, that's right. True, they can't get rid of me so easily. Uh, so today, let's talk. Uh, let's talk ser- uh, sermon on the Lord's Prayer. Um, I did have a, a kind of a weird question, maybe to lead us into this. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is a big deal. I feel like that's an easy thing to say. It's uh, maybe popular. That might not be the exact right word. It's, it's obviously very well known. We use it a lot here at Covenant Reform. Some churches just use it every Sunday, uh, and that's great, I think. I think it's a, a, obviously a, it's scripture, so we like that. But what's it like preaching on you know, one of, probably one of the top three most memorized portions of scripture? What's it, what's yeah. it like preaching an entire sermon on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a hard time preaching texts that are really popular amongst Christians. I just I find that difficult. Um, I don't exactly know why, uh, but Lord's Prayer is probably the most known, memorized, maybe John 3.16, right? So everybody mm-hmm. knows it, they use it, uh, and yet, despite how well-known it is, some of the theology in it is actually kind of tricky. It's kind of hard. Uh, it's one thing on the surface, and then you can really unpack almost every word, and it brings up just a world of theology of prayer. So I preached the Lord's Prayer uh, about six years ago when we when I first got here at the church in an evening sermon series, petition by petition, right? Uh, this time I preached the whole one uh, in one swoop, and I really enjoyed it. It was a unique challenge, uh, but I, I liked trying to get the idea of the Lord's Prayer summarized down to one word or kind of just one idea. So I liked that challenge. It was good for my personal growth and understanding the prayer. So hard and good, I guess, is my answer at the same time. Yeah, I mean, from the participants' side, the the congregants' side, I, I honestly, I, I really enjoyed that we did the whole thing in one go. Uh, it really wrapped together the flow and the entire sort of emphasis of the prayer itself. You know, the catechisms, uh, the shorter catechism, larger catechism, they dedicate a huge chunk, right, to the the meaning of the petitions. Love that. Love diving in deep, but also just love it sort of from that 30,000 foot. Let's let's look at everything uh, rather than sort of taking out the microscope. So I, I appreciate that we're able to do both. 
uh, that you were able to do, uh, you know, the, the deep dive in the evening and then this last Sunday, uh, the whole thing in the morning. Let's, um, I kind of want to pivot to maybe a nerdy question. Uh, um, we'll see how this goes, right? But uh, <laughs> when you're reading it, right, I don't, I don't know. So the, the week before I preached on sort of the surrounding text, I still read the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I don't know about you. I felt I found it a little difficult to read the ESV, right, which is what we use at Covenant Reformed, uh, instead of sort of just defaulting into sort of the King James, right, uh, these and thous and thys. Um, but obviously one of the things missing, even from how we uh, uh, use it together in our corporate worship service and the ESV's translation of it here in Matthew 6, is that ending doxology, that ending sort of uh, uh, last part, um, and thine be the glory and the power and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, why is that not there in our ESV? Should it be? Sort of give us some background here uh, on the the sort of missing nature here of that clause. Yeah, so the short answer is that it's just not in the original, at least from what I studied. It's not part of the original Greek manuscripts. Uh, to be honest, once I was convinced of that, I didn't really worry too much about the rest of the questions. You know, there's enough study that goes into prepping a text anyway to preach. Why study the verses that aren't part of the text? Um they were added later. I don't really know the history. You may know more of the history of that, uh, when and why they were added. Th- those final few words, they're not wrong, right? We pray them at our church, at least, every other mm-hmm. Sunday as part of our liturgy. Mm-hmm. We include them in the tradition of the Lord's Prayer. Because the point I made in the sermon is the Lord's Prayer is, is it's a pattern, and we see in the Gospel of Luke, it's actually different words than here. And so... Uh, I think it's appropriate for us to kind of summarize the theology of the desires of our prayers by including those phrases that seem to be added later in church history. So short answer, long, they're not original, but they're not bad. And so it's okay to pray them, but I didn't preach them because they're not in the text. Mm-hmm. You want well, to add anything us, to that? I, I don't because okay. uh, I, I appreciate the vote of confidence, um, but I actually have not studied that particular <laughs> okay. portion of scripture to that level yet. Um, I do know that that uh, there is something about King Henry VIII in the the Book of Common Prayer added in somewhere, but I'm I'm nowhere near intelligent enough to to sort of give that on my first podcast. So oh, wow, I mean, you we'll move on to the though. things we okay. do know. Okay. Uh, and so um, one of the things that we we do know is that you said on Sunday, uh, um, sort of this there's this distinction maybe in viewing it in a liturgical use the prayer sort of as we do like you say every other week here at covenant reformed we um i don't know why i'm almost defaulting to saying recite it but obviously right don't not say just that. reciting it we're <laughs> praying it right we are corporately praying it together but um while we do that we're not saying that jesus was only giving us right the this specific prayer and we cannot deviate from it at all and you use the word pattern i was uh, hoping that you would sort of maybe elaborate a little more on this why do we use it as the specific you know capital the lord's prayer in our liturgy and then at the same time how does it sort of uh, inform the rest of our prayers mm-hmm. have you ever heard somebody correct have you ever had somebody correct you for calling it the lord's prayer I was at a funeral it's never happened to me, no. service, okay. and the co-minister I was officiating with, officiating, I don't think that's the right word, but at the, the, the graveside, 
he said, now we're going to play the Lord's Prayer. And somebody corrected him and said, no, the Lord's Prayer is John, what, 14, 15, 16, the upper room oh, wow. prayer. Oh, okay. And, and it was, number one, it was a shocking moment because it was at a graveside. And it was entirely inappropriate. But it was yeah. just sort of this, okay. Bad timing. Bad timing, right? But it it's sort of legit in the sense that we don't think that Jesus necessarily even prayed this prayer because Jesus doesn't ask for mm. God to forgive him of his sins. Mm-hmm. Um, he's teaching his disciples how to pray. Right? That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's a kingdom sort of manifesto, some have called it. It's teaching the disciples about life in the kingdom. So I sort of said in the sermon, it's both a liturgical element and a model. I think here it's primarily a pattern that Jesus is giving us an outline. He's giving us the bullet points to pray for. The reason I say that is, and I already mentioned this, but in Luke's gospel, it's different. And so the inspired word is not teaching us two different prayers, right? Jesus, I believe, is teaching the pattern for prayer, the the model for prayer, that these are the these are the priorities. These are the desires of our hearts. We pray, he says in verse 9, we don't pray this, we pray like this. That being said, if you want to follow a pattern, you have to know the pattern, right? Uh, I mean, when I do projects in my shop, in my wood shop, I will change and adjust them from the blueprints or the pattern that I'm using, but I have to know the pattern in the first place, right? I mean, you you want to build a table, you have to follow the obvious pattern. And so Jesus, I think, is giving us the pattern, but we have to know it in order to be able to pray like this. And so one reason we have it in our liturgy is to teach our members how to pray, right? So much of the order of a reformed liturgy is designed to show us the gospel, to take us through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and teach us how to pray at home, right? I mean, I've said this before, that we should take our confessions of sin home and use them in our personal prayer lives. We should use the Lord's Prayer. So in in one sense, we're using it in the liturgy to teach. It's also just a wonderful way for us as a church to be united around the things that Jesus has told us to prioritize in prayer, and that our corporate prayers are marked by his very words. So again, the too-long-don't-read version of that answer is... It's primarily a pattern, but you need to learn the pattern in order to pray it. That's great. Do you think there's any uh, maybe analogy to the fact that we sing psalms? We take the the words of Scripture and we sing them, but we also sing hymns, uh, and and those hymns are in a way sort of theologically patterned after the Psalms. We sing about God's attributes. We sing about God's salvation. We sing about God's goodness and grace and mercy to us. Right? We could sort of go through all the Psalms and see a lot of different angles and aspects in that way. Uh, I've heard that comparison before, and I thought it was decently helpful in thinking through. Okay, if we sing like this, if we sing the exact words of Scripture, or very very close you know, uh, sort of metrical in English, right? Um, And then we also sort of use it as a pattern of of just congregational singing in general. Um, I thought that that was a helpful way of thinking, yeah, okay, well, why couldn't we use the Lord's Prayer that way? Both as something we do explicitly together, praying together the exact same words corporately, but then also at the same time, uh, modeling the rest of our prayer after it. Yeah, Um, I think that's a great analogy comparison. 
go with it. Awesome. <clears throat> well, that'll be in my first sermon on the Lord's Prayer one day then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so t- let's talk about uh, uh, our prayers then. Um, maybe give me give me two to five. You you choose two to five sort of practical points how you think the Lord's Prayer specifically can impact my individual private prayer. And then I'm going to go public here in a second, but my private prayer, two to five points of how you think that this this prayer can pattern individual private prayer. Sure. Thanks for prepping me on this one. Um, I don't have my five points lined up. No, I'm kidding. I, I, all right. So in one sense, you could just follow the six points of the petition outline, right? Sure. But I think there's, yeah. a, there's even a more basic outline here, which is the first three requests are your, speaking to God. Mm-hmm. The second three requests are our, talking about us. And so at a very simple level, that structures our prayers, right? We start with God and we move to us. Um, I think that's a great outline, right? His name, his kingdom, his will, uh, his glory, his majesty, his grace, right? All of these things about God before we transition to ourselves. That's not a hard and fast rule, but I think that's sort of a a good and helpful outline. So I would say that's kind of uh, number one. Uh, number two, in the hour section, I I think it's very instructive of all of the needs that we might write down on a list to tell God that we have. Are these the three things that would be on our list, right? I mean, um, I generally have food ready for the next day. Um, I think we had some problems with our fridge last night. And so <laughs> we might have to go out to eat tonight because some stuff may have gone bad uh in our fridge but in my personal context i don't feel the pressure to always be praying for my physical physical needs but this mm-hmm. helps frame that right and then i think the pardon and the protection are grave spiritual needs that it's just easy for us to to overlook right i mean i i think about you said personal prayer i'm going to just bring in a little bit of family prayer uh, I mean, we pray at breakfast every morning for the day, and what we always pray for are like quizzes or tests that day, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Right? That's what my kids are anxious about or stressed about, what's on their mind. Um, this prayer helps remind us of the different things we're going to be facing today that are beyond tests and quizzes, right? We're going to be sinned against, and we're going to sin against other people, and we need to be eager and ready to pray that we would forgive and be forgiven. We are going to face spiritual temptation today, right? Whether we make 100 on that test, whether we make a 60 on that test. And so I think the, the, the prayer, and I said this in the sermon, but it really, it really forms us. I think the more we pray it, the more we, we, God tells us our needs, the more we see our needs and ask them before God. One other, you said two to five, so I'll give you a third, and this is a super practical one. Um, I don't always do this, but I have used the six petitions to follow the six ordinary days of the week, not counting the seven. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. I have a time structured, my personal prayer along just whatever day of the week it is. And I I pick up whatever number that is in the number of petitions in the Lord's prayer. And that structures my prayers for that day. That's fantastic. I love that idea. Um, I, I had never thought to do that so perfectly with the week. That's actually, that's really great. Um, uh, so I, I kind of want to hop on your second one just really quickly and say, um, that I think, 
I, I love that what the Lord's Prayer can do, and I sort of have this like love particularly of give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. Um, that petition really just has stuck out to me for a very long time. Um, but I, I love that sort of at, at McCann morning prayer, right? You're praying about tests, uh, but but the Lord's Prayer can really orient us back to, and even if we have the bad test, even if we, you know, even if we didn't study maybe as much as we should have, you know, and we <laughs> get the grade we actually do deserve, right? right or right. maybe the test is tricky, right? And we sort of forget, you know, um, uh, that, that the world can throw us curveballs or whatever, that the Lord's Prayer really orients us back to uh, what, oh, this is a spoiler alert, what we're going to see later on in Matthew 6, which is his provision is enough to sustain our life. Mm-hmm. And and not just our life, but the rest of creation as a whole, showing us that 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 his provision, the daily bread, is yes, the physical sustenance. Yes, the the Chick-fil-A you're probably going to go out and eat tonight because your fridge broke, right? <laughs> Wherever y'all end up going. Um, but he also will uh, continually sustain your life such that the bad test grade or maybe transitioning into like the workplace, a bad mm-hmm. work day, mm-hmm. a particularly bad report or review, or um, maybe a, a particularly hard conversation with a coworker or a boss. All of these different things don't affect God's provision for you. And so in that way, it helps us prioritize. It helps us orient sort of uh, how important these things are. Not that they're unimportant, but that they never sort of become so anxiety um, filling that we forget the basic sustenance and, and provision that God has given to his people. So I, I like I said, I've, I've sort of got a, I don't know if you'd call it a hang up or it's just a favorite portion of scripture. That's great. I'll let others be the judge there, but that's just, that's how I've, I've really sort of uh, embraced that, that petition. It's so you bring up anxiety because that's where Jesus goes. Right. And the rest of the chapter. Maybe. Well, I studied the sermon before by reading the whole chapter. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. Oh, well, you get an A so plus, Jim. No, no, no. I don't want you to think highly of me. I want you to, to know that I, I just stole it from Jesus. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. Um, so, okay, that's private family. I would include that, right, um, in, in sort of maybe less than public, right? Now let's talk about public prayer. Um, if uh, Jesus allows us to pray publicly from earlier in Matthew 6, which I think he does, obviously. Um, you and I, as pastors, we pray publicly. The elders here at Covenant Reformed uh, pray publicly. How can we, as uh, leaders of God's church, pattern those prayers off of the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question, because when you look at who we are as a denomination— we would have brothers and sisters in Christ in a lower church context that would have no forms for their prayers. It'd be entirely free, which means mm-hmm. whoever gets up to pray just sort of prays totally, no plan, extemporaneous. And then we have brothers and sisters on a high church, right? Our Anglican uh, sister churches, and their prayers are all fixed, right? I mean, they're just mm-hmm. reading out of the book. And like many things, the Reformed and Presbyterian Church splits the middle perfectly, right? And we yeah, have exactly. A, Right, exactly. Uh, we have what has been called studied prayer, right? So mm-hmm. it's not free, it's not fixed, it's a little bit in the middle. And so 
Uh, you will note if you worship at our church for very long that whoever is praying has at least thought about it, right? I mean, sometimes our prayers are freer than others, but they've generally been planned. Uh, oftentimes, they're pulled from the prayers of Scripture, which I think is a wonderful example to our people of how to pray. So the Lord's Prayer can be a really wonderful outline for a prayer of intercession, you, you know, before the church and where you you pray our Father in heaven, uh, hallowed be your name, and then you for 15 or 20 seconds would go off that point, right? How God's name is magnified and glorified and made holy. And then the kingdom spurs us into prayer for missions, for church growth, for church revitalization, um, and on and on. So in that sense, I think it really serves as an outline so that our studied prayers are based upon the way that Jesus tells us to pray. Uh, They can sort of be in a public context. This prayer can, like an accordion, they can be sort of spread out and elongated to cover all the different needs of the church. And it also helps us frame sort of what we're asking God to do. I mean, you've heard the joke that church prayer meeting is an organ recital, right? It's just the naming of the different organ body parts, right? Such and such kidney or whatever and on and on, uh, which is fine. We should be praying for people who are ailing physically. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this kind of helps us get out of what could be a rut in our prayers, uh, which is just covering sort of one or two topics. And uh, this sort of lifts our head up out of the minutia, the physical minutia of the day without ignoring God's need to provide us our daily bread, but seeing all the other things that need to be mm-hmm. covered in a public prayer like that. Yeah, and I appreciate you particularly talking about the rut, because I feel like, I mean, you tell me if you've experienced this, but particularly as a pastor, I feel like, you know, we get up and we give invocations a lot, right? The, the prayer at the beginning of the service, we do prayers of dedication, we do uh, prayers before the sermon, right? Between reading and and preaching and stuff. And, and I do feel like there are seasons where I can get into the rut where I'm essentially sort of just, um, uh, I don't want to say mindlessly, but almost mindlessly just saying the same phrase, mm-hmm. right? Just using the same language. And and that's when uh, I, I think coming back to not just the words, but the pattern and the motivation of prayer that Jesus is teaching here in the section of the Sermon on the Mount is really helpful to sort of get me out of the rut of, you know what? A, I can use the same words, right? Like we say the Lord's Prayer the same way every other week because that's a motivation problem. But then B, I can say these things differently um, and 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 move past sort of these seasons where I feel like I'm in a rut. So I appreciate that you bring that out. You know, uh, just to jump off of that, I was at a friend's uh, church this afternoon and we were praying for something going on with him, and it really came down to just praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us hmm. from evil. And it was one of those those moments of sort of, I could have gone on and on and on with my own prayers, mm-hmm. but that verse just fit the moment perfectly. And I think we can all be in sort of other examples mm-hmm. of praying, your kingdom come. And like, that's it. I don't have to say anything else. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That kind of... yeah. So the familiarity is actually helpful at times when it's not rote, not in a rut. The rut's actually our own words, and we're bringing the Lord's words mm-hmm. in because it brings with it a whole host of, of meaning. 
Yeah. So I'm glad that you said that because one of my questions for you was going to try and, and connect this back. So doing a little bit of your sermon, a uh, little bit of my sermon the week before now, if that's okay, with, um, let me pick it up in, in Matthew 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, and so on. Um, I, I'm curious if you can I mean, use this example from this afternoon. Talk to us about how the Lord answers, uh, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Just as much as he does, you know, a 20 minute prayer mm-hmm. of us getting on our knees and begging the Lord to help us with a particular besetting sin or a season of darkness or whatever it may be. It's not, I mean, obviously Jesus is not saying your prayers have to be two and a half minutes long and nothing longer, right? Um, it's not like a word count that I, I got in seminary, right? Your paper can only be right. so long, right? <laughs> right? But at the same time, a lot of the prayers we see in the Old Testament, for example, I think of uh, uh, the opening chapters of uh, Nehemiah, where Nehemiah is sort of called into the presence of the king, and Nehemiah gives this very short prayer, asking the Lord for strength. So talk to us about sort of what Jesus is doing here and giving us a lot. I mean, we talked about the catechisms packing a punch with all these petitions, but then Jesus just says it so quickly and so simply, how can we sort of ride that line of pray without ceasing? I'm not trying to introduce a tension there between Paul and Jesus, but um, sort of longer form prayer, shorter form prayer. Uh, How can the Lord's prayer help us in our shorter form and in our longer form prayers? Okay, that's this is a great question. I mean, I, I was on, I was wrestling with this as well because what I came to as the opposite of this is Jesus teaching on the persistent widow, right? Mm. And like he's just telling us to go over and over and over and over again uh, to the Lord. So it's not a fair contrast here, right? Jesus is not addressing long versus short; he's addressing right. full versus empty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the, the motivation of the scribes and Pharisees thinking or acting as if what counts in God's mind is the amount of words that you use, right? Mm-hmm. As if mm-hmm. God has this cosmic calculator and whoever offers mm-hmm. the most words wins, right? right. That prayer request. Or, or even, you know, the, the Gentiles, verse 7, right? Uh, Jesus is combating their this sort of idea that we have to persuade God and the only way to do it is sort of write this essay, right? We have to, mm-hmm. we have to come in like, so that it's obviously he's addressing their false view of God first. Exactly. Of all. Right. But, but then in doing that, he's saying the, the, you know, your father who is in heaven doesn't need convincing, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, so prayer is not, not the art of persuasion on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, I'm sorry, where, where I think that, I mean, the, the shortest answer to this is Father, right? That mm. who that paradigm of a perfect godly Father, you don't, the Father who knows, you don't need to just endlessly tell Him mm-hmm. because He already knows. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes back to motivation. I think a lengthy prayer is wonderful when it's in the context of a child with a father. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think lengthy prayers are appropriate and they're good in the setting of a relationship. 
okay? This is not a setting of a relationship, right? This is, or this is a relationship between, you know, a stingy God and a people that have to pursue him. That's not the relationship the children have with their father. And so I said earlier that this could function like an accordion. So if the accordion's, you know, regular distance, there's a regular Lord's Prayer, then it's expanded as far as it'll go, which is a lengthy prayer in, in mm-hmm. public worship, let's say. You could condense it to one word, and that word is Father, mm-hmm. I think. And so, because Jesus assures us that our Father knows. We're not telling him something he doesn't know. And what's What's fascinating to me about this teaching is that he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And we think, oh, that I don't need to ask. And then he says, so ask, right? I mean, it's, right. yeah. it's this huge theology of responsibility and sovereignty and, mm-hmm. uh, and how God uses our prayers. One of our favorite professors wrote a book called If God Already mm-hmm. Knows Why Pray. Well, the shortest answer to that is because Jesus tells us to pray. Right, mm-hmm. like that's the that's the short and easy answer to it. So, I'm not sure that I answered your question just now. Um, Suppress. No, back. I think you did. Okay. Okay. I I absolutely think you did. I think it's important to understand that. I mean, I think I think we're we're probably tempted more toward the the the, the accordion stretched out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I am. Um, we're probably more tempted toward okay, if I if I'm praying, it needs to be long. Um, but even like, okay, I, I got lunch with another pastor friend today and his prayer for the meal was like maybe 12 seconds long. Does that mean that it wasn't sincere? Does that mean that we weren't genuinely at, does that mean we were too hungry? Maybe, maybe we smelled the food right, right in front of us. And we were like, yeah, I'm just going to make this long. But I don't, I don't think that that's what happened. What I think happened was he said, uh, and asked of the Lord in a sufficient way with a sincere heart that the Lord would bless our food and he would bless our time. And there just, in that moment, there wasn't more to say. Now, you know, when we left it, 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 our prayer could have been longer, right? Cause we prayed, you know, about what we talked about and that sort of stuff. But, <clears throat> you know, again, it, it's, it's not sort of short means there's this bad motivation. Mm-hmm. And so if we shorten it to father, like you say, right. I think that really helps us see that the there's no bad motivation implied in sort of the accordion smash down to just father. Mm-hmm. I think that actually shows in, in, in maybe one sense, a very pure motivation, uh, a very sincere motivation that we're approaching God, not as the vending machine, right? We've got all sorts of metaphors about prayer, right? God is not a vending machine. He's not, you know, just a cosmic grandfather, to say, oh yeah, do whatever you want. It's it's rather you're going to a good father who, as we know from the rest of the scriptures, delights to give good gifts to his children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that absolutely helps us sort of identify how we can pray short form, right? Mm-hmm. Long form and how we can sort of ride the line there in the middle. Yeah. And let me say this. I think a healthy Christian prayer life and let me just stop there and say, I don't know how many of us have that, right? I mean, I've heard before that there's two ways pastors can make the people feel super guilty is to preach on prayer or evangelism. Uh, and I would mm. say the same thing. It makes us as preachers feel guilty talking about these oh, topics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But a healthy prayer life is not restricted to merely one type of prayer, right? So if your pastor buddy only ever play, prays 12-second prayers, something's going on, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been at lunches with a guy, and he'll... Like they'll pray for like five minutes for lunch. And mm-hmm. You're like, dude, I gotta go. I'm hungry. Like the 
food's gonna get fries are the perfect temperature right now like yeah 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 yeah. uh, bro you don't have to pray five minutes at lunch um Mm -hmm. and so so you take back to the metaphor of a father and their children right i I love it when my kids want to talk to me for a long time and ask me Mm -hmm. sort of involved questions or difficult questions right whether the theology whether it's personal whether it's just random stuff you get from young kids but I also want my kids to be able to say, hey, dad, grab my jacket, right? It's cold outside. Or, or, or if my daughter calls me and is in trouble, like, dad, I need you to pick me up right now. Mm-hmm. I'd say, no explanation, on my way. You know what I mean? Like, I, right. I, I think there's a, in the, in that relationship is when hopefully prayers can flourish. And mm-hmm. I would want our members and myself and my family to have that very open and honest relationship with their God so that they truly call him father through Jesus without fear, without hesitation Mm. with one author said last week, I don't know who it was. He said, we have the audacity to call God father because of Jesus. Mm. Uh, And Jesus is teaching us that God, that's this God. Jesus is teaching us that our father invites this type of prayer and faith means we take him by his word and we do pray like Mm. this. Cause I, all right, I'm, I'm on a ramble now, but, I think in my own life, sometimes I feel like I can't pray right now because I've been prayerless for a while. Or in order for mm. me to pray, I got to sort of gear up to it. Like, mm-hmm. I really have this burden on my heart, but first I got to pray for God's name, God's kingdom, God. And it sort of is, it's, mm-hmm. it becomes in my own fallen heart a preventative for prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think this teaching is great assurance for me that God welcomes me as a rebellious child. If I come and merely pray for forgiveness, he welcomes me in lengthy prayers, rambling prayers. He welcomes me when I fall asleep, praying to him mm-hmm. kind of thing. So our right, end of rant, but, uh, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a great rant. I wish it continued. The, <laughs> my, um, I think one, one other temptation that, that I would add into the mix in, in terms of, uh, uh, approach of prayer there is, I've known a lot of people, and I know that this is true of my own prayer life, that sometimes that rut in in not praying is actually coming down to, well, you know, I remember that I, I said something really rude to my wife this morning, and I can't go to the Lord now and pray about this until first I kind of go through the gates of confession. I've got to confess that first because until he forgives me, he's not going to hear that. And it's like, okay, again, if we kind of, push the accordion in and we, and we see father, mm-hmm. we realize okay, this, I mean, I'm speaking to me here, not anybody else, Jim, that's nonsense. Like that's mm-hmm. not how God, you know, works. That's not how prayer works. That's not how he views us. And sort of, I need that, that realization, um, that you take up these posi- uh, petitions one day a week. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to get through one to get right. to the next one. It's not like a gate. Um, Right, right. It's not like you know this successive yeah. sort of uh, walk. It's it's you you can and we should, like you said, a, a healthy prayer life that we see Jesus take in the Gospels is a prayer life that is short, that is long, that's medium, uh, that it's about the immediate, that it's about the future, that it's about God's goodness in the past. But all of it centers us back, reorients us back to 
God is our Father. We give him praise for the good. We pray for his help in the bad. And we're continually going to him with everything. And so this kind of goes back to what we were talking about a second ago. I think we can read sort of Jesus in the garden right before the crucifixion and go, that's the only way, right? Like he, I mean, he yells at, at the disciples, right? Like, what, what are you doing? Fall asleep. But Pastor Sean's here telling me I can fall asleep sometimes in my prayer, right? Like, what? how am I supposed to? And, and, and we, we just need to put it in that, that all important context, right? That Jesus is about to die an excruciating human death and add on top of that, the full wrath of God being poured out on him. That context dictates Jesus's prayer and his prayer life in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and it should have dictated the prayer life of the disciples in that moment too. And so, uh, along with motivation, along with the rest of the Lord's prayer being, being, uh, patterned, I also believe that our context can, can dictate how far we stretch or push in the accordion. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's incredibly, uh, uh, useful as well that the Lord's prayer is general enough for us to use in our liturgy, mm -hmm. but it's also specific enough that I can pick out, give us this day, our daily bread. And I can pray, Lord, um, Please give me a, a job. Please give me provision. Please help me think through, you know, uh, a move. Uh, you know, my wife and I just were praying, give us this day our daily bread when we were thinking about coming to Asheville, right? I mean, we, this is a huge part of our prayer life. So I love that the Lord's prayer, um, I'm never going to give up this, this metaphor of the accordion now. I hope <laughs> you know that. It's always going to be how I talk about this. Though. Good, good. Uh, that, that our prayers should just be that sort of thing. All right, last thing. Uh, that I want to ask you, um, and and we'll call it a day today. This has been a ton of fun, uh, but it unfortunately does have to end at some point. Let's talk just briefly. Is the Lord's Prayer, this is a yes or no, so you have to explain your answer. Is the Lord's Prayer the only pattern for prayer uh, that we find in the scriptures? Yes or no? no? No. Okay. Where can we go for other patterns of prayer then, and why is that useful? Yeah. Okay. Um you really put me on the spot now. Uh, so there's some great prayers of confession in the Old Testament uh, that we use regularly uh, in our Sunday morning services. So Daniel mm -hmm. 9, Ezekiel 9. Uh, those are great prayers of confession. So that which lines up, accordion metaphor, with Jesus saying, forgive us our debts. Right. Uh, there are prayers in the New Testament now, throughout Paul's letters, I mean, Ephesians 1 is a great prayer. The end of Ephesians mm. 3 is a great prayer. Mm -hmm. Some models for prayer. Is this what you're asking, right? Just Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, some more models for prayer that off the top of my head. The book of Acts, early on in the book of Acts, I think it's mm -hmm. end of chapter 2, part of chapter 4, the disciples. You see how the disciples are praying uh, when they're gathered together. And then you mm -hmm. already mentioned this, but... For me, the greatest resource for prayer are the Psalms, mm. uh, and because there's Psalms that hit on praying for the King to come, right? Mm -hmm. Psalm 72. There's Psalms praying for God to forgive us our sins, right? Psalm 51. Mm -hmm. um, there are uh, prayers about God's holy name, right? I mean, the Psalms are full of glorifying the name of God. I think Psalm 63. Uh, Psalms about uh, deliverance from evil. Right, a whole lot of the Davidic Psalms are about him running from mm -hmm. evil, and so mm -hmm. uh, to stretch out that accordion and start filling it in with some of those Psalms. Yeah, uh, and if I remember right, you are writing an article about praying the Psalms. 
uh, in one of our upcoming publications. Is that right? I I am. That's not why I was asking the question, but I appreciate you bringing sure. that up. Uh, spoiler alert to the to our <laughs> listeners here. Uh, that is true. Um, but I I I hope uh, that that our listeners can can then see the point that the the Lord's prayer is incredible, right? When I mean, we I think it's okay to call it the Lord's prayer. I mean, Jesus does give it to us. Uh, but Jesus also gives us David's prayers in the Old Testament. Jesus gives us uh, uh, the prayers of the prophets in the Old Testament. Um, Jesus gives us those as well. And so, yes, the Lord's Prayer is hugely important for Christians. The, the Lord's Prayer is hugely important uh, for uh, uh, how we interact and how we pattern the rest of our prayers. But it's not the only thing. Uh, given to us in the scriptures. Uh, it's not the only thing that we uh, can turn to. So uh, we should sort of do the rest of Bible. So that's my attempt to take the rest of the Bible and apply it here to Matthew 6. We'll see if that's successful. Uh, but uh, um, I think I we've got to leave it there. Me like a test question here. How many no, no, no. name off the top of my head? I was like, I'll test you, uh, but but I, I'll do that in private at the very oh, least. Okay. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll save those questions for then. Well, Sean, I appreciate your time today talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer, talking about our prayer life, talking yeah. about the sermon. Uh, looking forward to uh, next week uh, as you take us we doing into this treasures week? in heaven. We doing this every week? Uh, I That's what my senior pastor told me. So, <laughs> uh, Hey, man, if you'll have me, I'd love it. I'm more than happy to do it. I'm very excited to to hear your sermon on uh, treasures in heaven. Uh, I I won't put you on any uh, uh, put put you under the spotlight on that just yet. But uh, <laughs> look forward to next week. Thanks, John. Awesome. Thank you, Jim. Thank you.